Hi, this is the Seattle Mama Doc Podcast. Welcome to 2018. I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood, and often we may not feel good enough. I'm here to help you face these challenges head on. And today, drum roll, if only I had acoustics, uh, we're talking about lights. <laughs> so gross. Now, the thing about lice is, is that it is not an issue of hygiene, meaning that it is not a failure of someone's home and cleanliness of why kids or families at large get lice. It's really just a series of kind of bad luck. Lice is pretty common, 6 to 12 million infestations a year in the United States. I mean, yuck. Um, And as you guys know, school tends to be one of the places and preschool where kids will get exposed, get infested, bring it home, and then ultimately get re-exposed, which is what can be disgusting and seriously frustrating. In the very first year or two of blogging, my son got lice and then got reinfested and then got reinfested again. And I went down the whole beginning journey of lice. But I'll tell you, that was back kind of like 2009, 2010. And ultimately, things have changed a little bit because of resistance patterns for louse or lice across the country. So I'm going to review a bit of the new data. I'm going to talk to you about what lice infestations do, how they spread. And then we'll talk about some of the options for treatment. Actually, we won't. I'm just talking. It's just me today. You're stuck with just me. Okay. So scratching heebie-jeebies aside, lice are pretty common. They lay eggs. They come in basically. They climb from one kid to another. So they don't hop. They don't fly. They don't typically even travel on hairbrushes and hats. They really come from kids' heads lying at story time together or being on the playground together, one head next to another, and the lice literally walking from one head to the next. They go right to the scalp because the louse itself wants to feed on blood from the scalp, and then they lay their eggs there. But they can multiply really quickly. My son, when he first had lice, I mean, we let it go on for so long without realizing it. He he literally had like 30, I'm so sorry, it's so gross to admit, 30 adult, adult louse by the time I got to him, which means they'd been there for a while because lice, they multiply quickly and they lay about 10 eggs every day. So it only takes about 12 days for a newly hatched egg to reach adulthood. So Oh, my gosh. Those 30 adult lice were, like, sitting on my kid's head for weeks before I figured it out. So if that happened to you, too, I'm just saying it even happens to pediatricians who are a little bit distracted. I mean, this was back 2009, I think, when this happened. But yuck. But we've had lice in the last couple of years as well. And even just before the holiday break at our school, we had a bunch of lice outbreaks. And it's like those eepy, creepy emails that you get where you're like, oh, no. Like, third grade has lice. Fifth grade has lice. Third grade has lice. Second grade has lice. You're like, yuck. So um, it happens all the time. Uh, And I'll talk a little bit about um, some of the new policy changes. But ultimately, the American Academy of Pediatrics a couple of years ago put out a policy statement saying don't keep kids home for lice because all that absenteeism wasn't really good for kids in the end and that ultimately it may not even change how lice moves across schools. Okay, so the lice come in. They lay all these eggs. They sit around. And the cycle kind of repeats itself every three weeks if you leave them untreated. So your kid can get full of bugs over time if they're not that itchy and they don't let you know about it and you kind of don't clue into what's going on. The good thing is, is that lice usually only survive for less than a day at room temperature when they're not on the scalp. So it's not like you're going to have lice around your house and they're going to be untreated and your co- like your carpets and your couches are going to be covered in bugs. I mean, they're not like bed bugs in that way. They, they really only survive for a day away from the scalp. So they need to be in that really warm environment with a food supply. And when they're not, they're dead and they die. So that's one thing of release that can really help you. Um, and again, they crawl from kid to kid. Now, 
part of the reason that we're seeing sometimes more outbreaks among schools or preschools is that, again, preschools and schools have adapted to the policy recommendations from the American Academy of Pediatrics saying they said basically this is not a health concern or condition. It's just kind of a gross inconvenience. And it isn't dangerous for kids to have lice. It's not dangerous for a family. It's not dangerous for a school. It's just kind of yucky and annoying and it can be hard to get rid of. But the burden of keeping kids out of school was really outweighing, they thought, the risks associated with having lice. And so now school nurses are probably still doing lice checks where you are or someone in your school is probably helping. Um, But misdiagnosis is really common, that nurses um, and even pediatricians, I think, we don't get a lot of training on looking for lice. So some people will look for nits, which are the casings that come from the bugs that stick to the hair shaft that will be kind of distant from the scalp. People will say, oh, this kid has lice. And they may not have it at all. Number one, it could be dandruff or debris in the hair, but also could just be a nit, which is an old casing from an old bug that is not even alive. So sometimes misdiagnosis really comes to play. Okay, so let's say you now know your kid has lice. What are your options? Well, you can use over-the-counter medicines. You can go to one of those super fancy lice combing places, um, or you can get a prescription from your pediatrician. Okay, so those are their three options ultimately. You use a, what's called pediculicide or basically, you know, something that – a pediculicide just means it kills an insect. Um, so something that you've heard of like RID or NYX. So you just go to the drugstore. You buy it. Um, you comb and you use like a nit-picking comb and you pull off all those nits, those casings on the hair shaft. You look for adult lice. You kill them by putting this medicine on the scalp and then washing it off. And then you repeat that because, again, sometimes they can lay eggs that don't get killed by that drug – And you have to, once they hatch in that cycle of staying alive, you have to retreat in seven to 10 days. Now, the directions are a little bit different for each of those over-the-counter products, and you can look. The next thing you can do if you don't want to use those, um, some people don't want to use those because they're theoretically called neurotoxic, and and that's because the way that they work. So those over-the-counter pediculicides basically go in, they work on what are called the sodium channels inside the central nervous system of the lice itself. It causes them to be paralyzed and ultimately die. So the bug dies because that chemical that's in the medicine itself, you know, kind of kills them. They get paralyzed and they die. And then you have to treat again because there might be eggs that are on the scalp at the time that don't get treated by that. The, the, the louse has to be birthed and hatched to get killed by that drug that you get over the counter. Okay, so that's why you treat twice when you do that. You treat once, you comb out all the junk, then you treat again seven to ten days later about which will tell you on the bottle because you want to kill anything that you missed the first time around. Now, the one challenge with using over-the-counters is that sometimes a kid gets reinfested. So they go back to school. There's another kid that's still got lice there, and they get reinfested. They come home, and you think, oh, it didn't work, when actually your kid just got reinfested. So it can be really confusing sometimes if that over-the-counter medicine doesn't work. But because that there are some new resistant patterns that have really developed in the last 10 years, it's kind of worth mentioning. So back in 1995, if you used one of these over-the-counter medicines, I mean, that's a long time ago. I was freaking graduating from college at that point. But like, you know, back then, about 95 to 100 percent of the time that you use those over-the-counter meds appropriately, you got rid of all the lice. But 2001 forward and into 2005 and thereafter, there have been finding that some of these lice have, have developed some genetic makeups that have made them resistant to these neurotoxic drugs. There's a certain gene that can be kind of quantified and you can look at in these lice that actually finds that in some studies, some states will find 80 percent of kids with lice. They still are – they're still responding to this over-the-counter med and somewhere, somewhere it's in the 25 to 50 percent only respond to the over-the-counter medicine. And a study that was published in – ready? The Journal of Medical Entomology – I would tell you that when I read that study this morning, it's the first time I've read in the Journal of Entomology, which is the study of 
bugs, um, published in 2016, a study that was found, you know, basically funded by a pharmaceutical company. So know that it, they are very motivated to get this data out to the world. But they looked and they got bugs from 48 states. They went to nurses and those grooming professionals, and they said, send us your lice that you get from kids. So they sent them into this University of Massachusetts Amherst laboratory. They then looked at basically 138 different schools from 48 states representing like 479 kids. So they pulled bugs from all these different kids from all over the country trying to figure out are there certain pockets of resistance or not. And they basically find that there are a lot of the population who has lice that are potentially resistant to these over-the-counter medicines that carry this kind of genetic makeup now. In one area like New York, 86% of the bugs that they got from there were resistant versus like in Michigan, hardly any of the bugs were resistant. So anywhere between zero and 80% of the lice out there might be resistant. So still may make sense for you to just go get an over-the-counter med, use it, make sure you use it again per the instructions a week or two later. And if your kid still has lice, it's one of two things have happened. Either your child's been reinfested at school or it didn't work and you might want to truck into your pediatrician. Second option that you've done, which I've done, which is not cheap, but you go to a professional nitpicking or knit grooming place. Now, often they'll use just an oil. They'll suffocate the actual live lice. They'll comb and comb and comb and comb and comb. And then they'll check at the very end. They'll send your kid home. And then you'll go back a week later, make sure that it's still gone. The good news about that is you don't use a pediculicide. You're not using anything that is neurotoxic on a child, although these medicines are really deemed to be very safe. Um, they comb all the way through. You just suffocate these bugs, and they give you a guarantee. But it can be like 100 or more dollars to do that. It takes a lot of time. you got to take a day off work if you're a working parent or you got to truck across town. And sometimes it's unnecessary. But it certainly can be an effective way to get rid of lice. And I've used it myself. It's just expensive, time burdensome. But there is a level of, well, I'm not using any chemicals on my kid. And I think it can be a very successful and good approach. Now, the last approach that I'd like to talk about with you is ultimately thinking on, okay, do you want to use a prescription medicine? There are about three prescription medicines, as I understand it, that can be used that your pediatrician or family doc or nurse practitioner can write you for. One is called um, Ulysphia, which is ultimately a benzoyl alcohol solution at about 5%. So not neurotoxic. Benzoyl alcohol is not dangerous. It's still advised for kids really over six months of age. But you basically coat your kid's hair in this. It suffocates the lice. And then you rinse it off kind of seven or you rinse it off 10 minutes later after you've suffocated all the bugs. You do a nitpicking comb. You comb, 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 comb. And then you repeat it seven days later again because there might be eggs that did not get suffocated because they weren't live lice. And then you do it again. That's got interesting kind of variable data, at least that I could find online, somewhere between, I don't know, 50 and 80 percent effective. So pretty good. And then there are two different drugs that are also neurotoxins, meaning that they go and they kill the lice by paralyzing the lice and suffocate or, and causing the lice to die. One called uh, Natroba and one called Sclice. And they're two different drugs, but again, work very similarly to like the Nix and the, the medicine that's called permethrin that's in the over-the-counter meds. But what's different about them is that they may be more effective for those resistant lice, and they're pretty easy. I mean, that's the real benefit of getting a prescription from the pediatrician. It's kind of like this one-and-done type thing, and I mean it. Most data that I looked up this morning about those two drugs, the Troba and the Sclice, ultimately what they do is you put them all on at the scalp level, you cover every inch of hair on your kid, you leave it on for 10 minutes, and you rinse, 
And you don't even have to do the repeat in a week, and you don't even have to do the nitpicking combing. It's so toxic, basically. It goes and kills those drug, those lice. And it's thought to be really safe. So I think your three choices are, okay, you freak out. You've got lice. You go to the over-the-counter med. You try it. You repeat it in a week or two with nit combing, and you make sure as best you can that everyone else at school is getting treated as well, and you hopefully avoid. If you do that and really feel that your child's not been reinfested, but it didn't really work and they come back, you might have a resistant strain of lice. Go into the pediatrician or family doc. You can get a prescription or you can go to one of those big groomers. That's kind of lice treatment in a nutshell. If it were me and you were really concerned, call your pediatrician's office and ask about their prescription from the get-go. Your pediatrician may say, yeah, you know what? We've been seeing a lot of kids who are you know, not getting treated with the over-the-counter med. I'll write it. If you've got good health insurance, you can ask about the health insurance paying for that medicine. I think the safety of the over-the-counter meds and the safety of the prescriptions, I can't find a lot of data that tells me that they're different. They work very similarly on killing the lice, and you keep them on your child's body for about the same duration of time. So you can go about it with an over-the-counter and avoid a copay at the clinic. You can call the pediatrician and see if in there, in the area that you live, they're feeling like there's a lot of resistant strains. If there is, your pediatrician may say, hey, I'm going to go right to the prescription because I don't want you to have to wait 10 days with bugs in your house. Um, and again, remember, as you're cleaning up your house and stuffed animals and pillowcases and sheets, you want to wash everything in really hot water and submerge it. And then if you've got stuffed animals and other things that you're concerned may be infested, again, you put them in garbage bags for more than a day, and those lice will be dead. They can't live off of the human scalp for more than a day. So you're not putting your whole house and your couch and your carpets on quarantine for a year. Good luck. That's a little bit more on lice. I'll put a blog up on Seattle Mama Doc as well. Happy New Year 2018. Let's all be bug-free. Um, thanks for listening to Seattle Mama Doc. The reality is parenting is a high-stakes job, especially with bugs. But the good news is now... You've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at SeattleMamaDoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from. 